0: This is FemPower Health. Each week, top women's health experts dispel fact from fiction. The most important pelvic floor exercise is not the Kegel. Challenge the status quo. It's, it's never dis- easy to yeah. challenge the accepted leaders, and especially if you're a woman. Provide perspective on why your healthcare journey may be so tough. All of that fear and worry, it all upregulates our nervous system. Puts us into fight or flight mode and increases our pain sensitivity. And what you can do about it. The number one thing is you have to advocate for yourself and you have to be prepared. Your journey to get empowered starts now. This is Fempower Health. Each week, top women's health experts dispel fact from fiction. The most important pelvic floor exercise is not the Kegel.
1: now the time it takes for someone who wants to go alcohol free to actually go alcohol free or has some kind of just like "Uh, i don't think that this alcohol is serving me takes around seven years and some of that can be very conscious seven years some of that can be a very unconscious seven years but that desire is kind of in that in that that gut place right welcome
0: to fem power health georgie here there may be a variety of reasons that brought you to this episode on living an alcohol-free life. So I want to start by saying this is a conversation and an invitation and a judgment-free discussion. So take a listen as author and coach, Carolina zhatka and I talk about what an alcohol-free life might be like and whether or not you may want to consider it and how you might get there. And we start with her own journey. Enjoy. Thank you so much for reaching out to be on the Fem Power Health podcast today to talk about ditching alcohol. And this is a, a timely topic, an important topic. And I will say it was really interesting reading your book and the journey that I went through. And it's timely because I also just got back from Sedona that um, a trip that I didn't realize I needed when I needed it and happened to be booked a a while ago. And I'm just back fresh from Sedona and feeling like I need to redo my life a bit and feeling so Zen. And so now I'm reading this book um, about ditching alcohol. This is going to be a great conversation and I'm excited to to get it started. So why don't you first tell us about yourself and how you got onto this journey about coaching others and, and writing this book?
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show and and bringing this topic up because I think for so long when we talk about alcohol in our society, it's been in such a black and white term. It's been either like Okay. You know, it's a normal rite of passage. We all do it. It's how we socialize. It's the most normal part of our society or, Oh, you have a problem. Okay. We're not, we're going to put that aside. You need to go to AA maybe to rehab. Right. And in this black and white lens, like I think we've lost the art of curiosity and really just reevaluating whether or not alcohol serves us in our life, in our value system, in our dreams, all these kinds of things. And so I really found myself stuck personally. With this questioning about the relationship I had with alcohol, I grew up uh, going to parties by the time I was in high school and college, you know, so I started drinking pretty regularly as most people do around that age. It was presented to me as this rite of passage, obviously a way to belong, a way to prove that I'm an adult and partying became just my MO back in back when I was younger. But as I grew up, I also got more into health and wellness and mindfulness, especially And so in my later 20s, what happened was I had a very healthy lifestyle Monday through Thursday. And drinking was something I squeezed into the weekend, right? So Monday through Thursday, I'm going to yoga classes. I'm drinking my green juice. And then every weekend, no matter what. And it's the normal stuff, right? It's the game night. It's the sushi dinner. It's the wedding. Maybe some Netflix at home with some wine. Every weekend, without fail, alcohol played a role, right? And and so by Monday morning, I feel like I took two steps forward in my healthy lifestyle and then three steps backward over the weekend. And I woke up feeling exhausted, groggy, ashamed, and just felt so out of alignment every Monday morning. And I hated it. I lived in this cycle for years, like years of this madness. And every single time I was like waking up on that Monday morning, oh, God, I just want to break from alcohol. I would look at my social calendar and be like, oh, but you have that happy hour event. Oh, but you have that wedding. You have that dinner party. And so there was a part of me that also didn't think I had the permission to not drink, to the permission to, to take a break from alcohol. And I had really thought about it in those black and white terms. You know, If I stop drinking, then I must be an alcoholic. I must have to go to AA. I'm going to have to tell everyone I have this big problem. And I was way too stubborn to, to go there, right? So I just kept it up for much longer than I should have because of that black and white dichotomy. But finally, I hear about dry January and something snaps in my brain to be like, oh, I am allowed to take a break. I don't have to explain it to everybody. I don't have to ring to everyone to tell them I have a problem. I can just kind of comfortably in the peace of my you know, home, not drink for a month. And that that was an incredible experiment for me. I really learned to find myself, find what it felt like to just be myself without alcohol. I found my sleep really improving. I had more energy every morning. And Every day, I woke up proud of myself. Every day, the past version of me like abided by my intentions and, and ensured that I wake up feeling well and healthy and just full of that energy. I noticed my mood increasing. I was starting to get happier and happier just by, from mundane things. And so I really enjoy that break from alcohol. But February comes around, and I still have this incredibly strong belief in my mind that normal adults drink. And if I, ha- I want to be a normal adult, I have to drink. And so I drink a few times that February and the contrast just hits me so much. Even two drinks completely ruins my sleep. And I noticed that while I thought I was drinking because it would make me have fun or make me feel happier or just be in the moment, it actually detracted from everything. I noticed the drink or two would actually make me feel cranky or frustrated or even pick little fights with my husband. My mood actually went down. And I was like, wait a minute, why am I drinking? I thought it was supposed to like, I thought I enjoyed this. And so that like really helped me see and kind of pop the illusion of alcohol in my life. And I decided to take another break at that point. And I've been basically alcohol free ever since over five years now. And what ended up happening was that every single day and week that went by alcohol-free, I started to build up my confidence, build up my courage, start asking myself what I really wanted. I really recognized that a lot of my drinking, this weekend drinking I was doing was like a TGIF. I couldn't wait for that weekend, right? To be able to unwind and let loose, not realizing that it was because I was so unfulfilled with my week, not realizing that I was feeling so bored and stressed with my career. And so instead of drinking over that, i alcohol free then decided to change it right i knew i always wanted to launch a business and help other people and i also radically changed my beliefs around alcohol so i knew i could help other people do the same i got certified i launched a business i wrote this book and literally five years later i am living the dream life that i always imagined for myself you know i work with incredible women in multiple different programs i travel the world i wrote this best-selling book you know like i'm really feeling like i'm living into my purpose and I feel high every day, like I don't need an alcoholic beverage in order to feel that way anymore. So it's kind of my story in a nutshell and why I'm so passionate about talking about this topic, because I have heard so many people, whether it was a complicated relationship with alcohol or not, once they ditch it, they just have this explosion of personal development and really going after what they want out of life. Right. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing that story
0: of yours. So since reading your book and, and knowing that we would be doing this interview, I've been doing some soul-searching observations and talking to people. And I also polled on Instagram what people wanted me to cover. Is it why ditch alcohol? Is it how to ditch alcohol? And at first, it was all about why. And now it's starting to even out um, between the why and the how. And your book does give a guide, so we can definitely give an, an overview um, but I, I felt we can't do this conversation justice on the how until we talk about the why. So I'll start with earlier this week, I went out with an old client of mine for drinks, and I was like, "Am I going to have any alcohol or not?" Because again, this is on my mind with our um, upcoming interview, and I'm like, "You know what? I love wine. Like, I just I love wine. I don't drink a ton. I'm not going to drink a bottle. I just wanted to have wine." So I had the wine, and. The next day, that night I woke up at four in the morning and I had a rough day, right? So of course, like it's reinforcing. Okay, red wine. I know it's not a thing, especially in this stage. I'm, you know, I'm in the menopause stage, and a lot of my friends are also talking about the headaches and the migraines, and it's the alcohol. I mean, I I know that it is a major factor. So then I'm like, okay, well, do I want to quit? You know, what should I do? And I went for a walk with a friend today, and it was really interesting the description of when are you an alcoholic versus not? And kind of like what you were saying before, you know, you kind of drink a little bit or you drink too much and you have this disease. So what I'm curious about is what you find when people come on this journey, really see the, okay, it is now time and how people come to that journey. Because when I was reading your book, um I saw some of the data and then I got curious and started reading some of the other books that have been written like um Holly Whitaker's Quit Like a Woman and Ruby Warrington um who I recently interviewed she wrote Sober Curious when I read Holly's book I got ticked off I was like so hold on a minute society and marketing is literally driving our drinking behavior and I got ticked and that's when it it like really was like hold on a minute. This could be impacting the power that I'm bringing into this world. And that's when that's what I needed to to hear and obviously I'm going to see what's going to happen with my journey, but it just it it's just such an interesting complex conversation with so much data that's going to hit everyone in different ways. I'd love your reaction to this journey that even I went on approaching this conversation
1: absolutely and i think it's such a brave conversation to have i think it's such an intuitive and wise conversation to have because not only have we been basically the way that holly you know talks about it and i do as well is if we think about it the way that alcohol is put into our society it is presented is a rite of passage right you you turn a certain age and you start drinking and it is a symbol almost of your independence your coolness your rebelliousness your your sophistication right Now, alcohol is nothing more than a fermented beverage in a glass, right? It's toxic at that, but it's just a beverage, right? And as a society, we've now attached all this meaning to it. It makes you this type of a person, right? Alcohol doesn't do any of that. That is societal conditioning and expectations we have now put on a beverage, right? And so, yes, like there's this understanding that we were all kind of duped into this. You know what I mean? We were kind of duped into this. And then because of the the neurochemistry of how alcohol affects our brains, plus how it's expected of us to continue drinking every social event till we die, it becomes a very strong habit in most people's lives. And most people actually do overdrink. So the majority of drinkers overdrink way past the health guidelines. So then the question of like, well, who has a problem? Who needs to look at this? Who doesn't need to look at this? I mean, like that we also have been conditioned into this black and white thinking around it, right? That only an alcoholic would need to stop drinking. And I think that what ends up happening is like if a woman might have a very intuitive gut feeling that she could do more, be more, feel better, have better sleep, whatever her reason is, it doesn't matter, but some, some intuitive feeling. That she could be better, be more, be happier, be healthier without alcohol. And then all of a sudden this societal, oh, but wait, are you an alcoholic and have to quit comes in to stop her from actually taking action on what her intuition is telling her to do. So I say let's banish the question, right? It's a dumb question. It doesn't really matter anymore. Is drinking making you happy? Is drinking aligned with your values? Does drinking help you achieve your goals and dreams? And if you don't like the answer to those questions, no judgment, you're just allowed, you have my permission, you have the universe's permission to explore this and get curious about it in your life, to take an experiment maybe and take an alcohol-free break uh, where you you, you you set aside alcohol, not for forever, but just for a, a period of time. So you can then really evaluate how do you feel without it, right? And for me, that's how I literally fell in love with the alcohol-free lifestyle. If you told me I was going to quit forever, I would have never tried it, you know? Right. But by exploring it, I recognized that I liked it so much better. I liked everything about it. And that a lot of the reasons why I did like drinking were actually these false beliefs that I had put on alcohol too, you know, for example, so many people say alcohol relaxes them at the end of the day. And I get it. We are such busy women. We're running around all day. We have so many responsibilities. And then we drink and it, and it feels like that one time we have knee time, we can just let it all go. But on a neurological level, alcohol doesn't actually relax the human brain. Alcohol actually releases more stress hormones into our body. We release cortisol, adrenaline, dynorphin into our body. And when you woke up at 4 a.m., that's literally when your stress hormones were at the very height of that yep. feeling and all of that... Um, anesthetic or sedation effect of alcohol were off. So you're only feeling the worst of exactly. it, right? Uh, neurologically, again, alcohol doesn't relax us. But what they've proven is that we anticipate relaxation and fun from alcohol. They once did a study where they put these brain nodes on people who just left work. So their scientists were able to measure people's brain waves And everyone just left work. So they're pretty stressed out. All of their brain waves are pretty chaotic, right? And they arrive at a restaurant or a bar and they all sit down and order a drink. All of a sudden, the brain waves slow down and relax. Now, the kicker is nobody actually drank the drink yet. They didn't receive the drink yet. They just ordered it. So, what that tells me is that the anticipation of a reward is actually what's relaxing the brain, not the ethanol itself. The ritual of sitting down and enjoying a glass of something you love is sending signals to your brain that it's okay to let go and relax, not the ethanol. The ethanol actually works in counter to that. And so someone, for example, who loves wine but doesn't like those nasty side effects that they get the next day, I would say, well, find an alcohol-free wine that you love and you're going to have the same benefits without all of that, you know, ethanol qualities that are hard for your body to detox. And so again, I think intuition should be driving this conversation of of who can look into their relationship with alcohol. And it's not a matter of deciding today whether you're going to quit for forever. I think really just experimenting with a break If you've been drinking like me since you were 17 years old and you've never had a long period without alcohol, other than like pregnancy, you owe it to yourself just to see what it's like, you know? And then, you know, if you don't like it, you can go back. You have all the autonomy in the world, but it's almost like until we really compare apples to oranges, we won't even know. You know what I mean? Right. And what ends up happening, I think for so many women, they get on fire. They do feel their energy improving. They feel their sleep improving, their relationships. They're able to be more present and connect with people. I feel like your courage and confidence, inspiration, clarity goes up. And it just tips into that breaking point of really having more agency and more uh, like ambition and drive to just go after the things you really want most in life. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I
0: will say I have definitely, as uh, Ruby titled her book, um, I'm definitely Sober Curious. Like there's actually an event this weekend with um, all the, the parents locally And uh, I started to have FOMO because so many of my good friends are going. And I was like, I'm not going because I know exactly everyone's going literally to drink and be goofy. And I, I was like, what if I get caught up in it? And even if I don't get caught up in it, I don't know if I even want to watch this. And so I just flat out, as soon as I I got into this sober curious state, it was such an easy no um, of just like, there is literally no reason for me to go. I can hang out with these people one-on-one in another venue.
1: (laughs) And I love that too, because like, you know, a lot of times if we think that something isn't fun unless we're drinking, it actually means it's not really fun for exactly. us. And that's like, we're not really listening sometimes to our deeper inner self about what experiences we really enjoy. We don't have to put up with the experiences that aren't maybe our cup of tea, right. Uh, in order to belong or to people please, or what have you. Um, and, and I think it's also really cool to explore that, you know, sometimes we have even more fun. Like if, if you enjoy dancing or if you enjoy talking to people, like, being alcohol free while doing that it can feel just as exhilarating if not more because you're fully there and present. Uh, so it's almost like sometimes you can have your cake and eat it too. You know, you can go out with your friends and have a great time drinking mocktails and wake up the next day and do your workout. You know, yeah, it's not exactly. one or the other <laughs> exactly. And I guess just one other point, and we talked about it a bit, but I just I
0: have to talk about it just because it's it's so important and. I really want to make sure that people hear this. So like in New York city, especially, I feel like drinking a ton is so normalized because people live in small apartments. You've got all the mixology, fancy bars. And, um, so everyone gathers at a bar to hang out. And like, I, I lived in New York city for a really long time. I was never really a big drinker. And then when I started hanging out with the New York crowd, like almost every single night we'd go out for a drink. And I wasn't like drinking all day, drinking at home. I wasn't like falling over. I had a job. I was extremely successful at it. Like, but it was just so normalized. And in reading this and then seeing how many people I now know in my life who are under the alcoholic banner, like, I just think it's really important wherever we all choose, is we should never shame anyone full stop. This is a big, societal challenge and maybe i might even say problem there's a quote in here in the quest to be normal we lose our intimate selves and that's a quote from your book and you know it's it is normalized to be drinking you know going to these football games etc and i just i really want to just have people just really meditate on that as a way to like what is my definition and also, I would like to ask for people to stop being so darn judgmental about it, because who's to say the 10 drinks for the person who does it all the time, but why are they not an alcoholic versus the person who now claims they are? So I just, I, um, I hope it's okay to just really call that out, because that was one thing in reading all of this stuff and just my own personal experiences with people struggling. It's a big, big thing that I think we need to just be aware of.
1: Well, isn't it funny how someone isn't considered to have a problem until they stop drinking, like until they actually make the help. Exactly. And if you think about it, you know, the way that like we really understand, you know, so many studies are just proving how toxic alcohol really is and increases your cancer, heart disease risk, dementia, just so much stuff it's really kind of having this this same phasing that I think cigarettes used to have. So does it matter whether you smoke two packs a day or one cigarette a day? You know what I mean? Like we don't really make that distinction in our minds around cigarettes. We're kind of like, okay, that is on that shelf. And I'm not saying that like, you know, everyone has to stop drinking or so, but to to the expectations there, you know, when you were in that New York crowd, it was like, you better go out every night and have a drink. And if you don't, like that's, that's not normal. You know what I mean? And I think that's like where we're not allowing our own intuition to really guide us. You know, it's just like, here's, you're at a social event. This is what we're doing. We're drinking, you know, and and nobody else gets around this unless you're pregnant. And I think we need to change that as a society. And especially for our youth and the next generations that come after us to really have it be something that is truly a choice, truly an option and not an expectation. Right. But I, I want to
0: share an inspirational way of possibility and kind of like your own life story because i want to get into the how and your book has a great instruction on how and i'm sure working directly with you will also help but i'd love to talk about some of the nuances that one may not get from the book but i do want to start with this inspiration to know where one may get to when you're doing what you're meant to do you benefit the world in a unique and irreplaceable way this brings money friendship true love inner peace and everything else worth having. It sounds facile, but it's really true. And this is from Martha Beck. I love that quote. And uh, and I think that's what's possible and you've shown it with your life. So for those who are debating or even deciding, tell us the journey on how to get to this place of becoming alcohol-free. Absolutely.
1: You know, and I think that like accepting a little to your point earlier about like what is normal, what is not is is part of it, because so much of our drinking is dominated by this tribal behavior, this this need to belong. This is how we culturally, you know, engage within one another in social situations. And so there's this huge fear we're going to run up against of like, am I going to lose belonging? Am I going to lose my friends? Am I going to be the odd one out? You know? And I think asking ourselves, what is normal is so important because, you know, if you asked me, do I want a normal life or do I want a great life? I think it's really easy to answer that question. And, and then looking at what is normal, you know, normal is over drinking. The vast majority of people who drink over drink. Normal is also being unfulfilled in your career. The vast majority of workers in this country are unfulfilled. Normal is also being unhealthy. The vast majority of people in this country are unhealthy. So it's like, what do we really want? Do we really want normal or do we want to be exceptional? And are we willing to live our lives in a slightly different way than other people in order to be happier, healthier, and more fulfilled? And so I think it starts with this just mindset. Am I willing to look at things differently, Right. And I think that's really beautiful. And so to get started, you know, just really recognizing that aside from what everyone else is doing, you're allowed to choose what you want to do. And you're allowed to experiment you don't have to label it you don't have to claim that you're doing something for forever you get to just play and get curious with this right and so i will always recommend that someone can start literally with a break from alcohol decide how much how long you'd like to go uh you know i recommend at least 60 days my book has an eight-week plan to follow to get you through there 30 days is also amazing but guess what three nights is amazing three nights is like showing your muscles it's like muscles that haven't been worked out before To get them to practice, to get them to working out what it feels like to process your emotions and feel your feelings and not numb them immediately with a drink and learn how to just be comfortable in your skin without something outside of you. And so, deciding that you would like to experiment without alcohol is, I think, the first step. And, you know, deciding on what the parameters will look like, how long you would like to go. And once you're there, you know, like really then asking yourself that, recognizing that this is a process to change what you think about alcohol and believe about alcohol. Maybe even clear up some limiting beliefs you might have around it and what you think it does for you. So, for example, one of my biggest reasons why I was drinking was because I thought it made me more confident in social situations. I grew up very shy. I am an introvert at heart. And when I started drinking as a teenager, alcohol was like this magical elixir that turned me into an extrovert. And for almost a decade, I used alcohol as a way to become a version of myself. I didn't think I could be on my own, right? I I had to have a drink at a party. It was like my little crutch, right? And I think subconsciously, I was telling myself, actually, Carolina, you're not very interesting. Nobody really wants to talk to you. You have nothing good to say. But here, have this drink, and then you'll be better. And let's not even talk about and mention all the times I embarrassed myself or I had wine stains on my teeth or lips. I mean... Every single time I set some intention as well of, okay, I'm only going to have one drink tonight or I'm not going to drink tonight, and I broke that rule, I lost trust in myself. So over time, alcohol robbed me of confidence. It robbed me of self-esteem. It robbed me of self-love. This this idea I have that alcohol actually helps me be more confident is so false, but I didn't see that until I truly took a break from alcohol and was able to analyze this belief and break it down for what it really was. Now I have a new belief. Alcohol made me very insecure. And being alcohol-free actually makes me very confident. I'm able to learn how to be confident in my own skin, to tap into this inner resource I have. Nothing outside of me will ever allow me to be confident. I'm able to develop myself and have self-trust for myself because I know I'm always going to be abiding by my intentions. I have so much self-love for myself, right? So in this process, I took a huge reason why I was like subconsciously dependent on alcohol and I've completely wiped away. And what that does is that slowly removes the desire. And now that's just one reason why I like to drink, right? Most people have between 10 to 20 core reasons. So we're going to have to do this through each one. But as you do this, and my book will walk you through it, what you do is you're slowly going to lose your subconscious desire to drink. And so it's not about you can't drink. It's not about you're depriving yourself or you're holding yourself back. You get to a point where you literally don't want to drink. And one of the best examples I can share of that is cigarettes, you know, like, Lots of us smoked back in college or at one point in our lives and and got to a point where you couldn't pay you to smoke a cigarette today. You know, it's like so disgusting. You just wouldn't go there. There's no desire for it, right? And so imagine if you got to that point with alcohol, not necessarily being disgusted with it, but literally removing all of the reasons why you saw it at on such a platform to really see it for what it is. And then you have the ultimate choice at that point. Nothing inside of you is kind of compelling you to drink, you know, outside of you, because so many people have that dual consciousness. They want to cut back. Everybody wants to cut back. Everybody wants to be healthier, but there's still something inside of them that also wants the drink. So if we can fix that part, if we can change that part, that's where that beauty lies through. You truly get some freedom. Right. And so that's kind of like my approach to it. It's not really a, a habit change or a, a just deprive yourself for 30 days and see what happens. It's, it's really deep down. And you're going to uncover so much about yourself. Like, if you expect that you have to drink when you go to see your family or something like that, you know, that's, that's a personal development game of, of learning to not people please. And to learn to value your own uh, choices and your own intuition over the expectations of other people. That's a lesson in boundaries, right? Like so much alcohol is almost like this symbol and and ditching it is this symbolic way of actually growing so much more personally, spiritually, emotionally, you know, just the process of even feeling your emotions, right? Someone is stressed all day. They, they go to a job. They're working really hard. They come home and they drink. And they repeat that cycle over and over and over. They're never allowing themselves to truly feel those feelings, right? But let's say they take a break from alcohol and they really feel the feelings. And you know what they feel? They feel frustrated at their job. They feel frustrated that their boss is giving them way more work than they're getting the pay or the title or the recognition for. They know something needs to change. Maybe they'll have a conversation with their boss. Maybe they'll apply for a different position. Maybe, just maybe, they'll pick up their biggest dreams and actually launch that business that they've been wanting to launch. When you continually numb over the problems and the, the things, the feelings that are uncomfortable, you'll never find a solution. But when you actually feel them and process them in a healthy way, you will be so much more able to, to find those solutions and make the shifts and little pivots in your life where needed. And right. so really, I think it's just an experiment, obviously an experiment in the, in the sense of experimenting life without alcohol, but it's also just an incredible personal development game. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. And I love the example about the um visiting family because I know um a lot of uh folks can relate to that. Do you have any unique stories of of people as they've been on this this journey of what brought them to the journey or unique experiences that they've had that may have surprised you that would be helpful to, to share? Um, and by the way, I do want to caveat, I love that this is not a you must do it this way for this long, because I think we all have enough pressures. um, And I think it would turn a lot of people off if it was a very like overly prescriptive. So even your eight weeks, it felt Uh, um, even the way you're talking now, seems like it it can happen in whatever time. And this is just a really helpful guide.
1: Um, But just any interesting stories that we should bring to life. And also, too, sometimes, you know, I say step one might be take a break from alcohol. There's a step before that. There's a step of just leaning in and reading some books and listening to some podcasts, just letting your brain absorb new information about this topic, you know, letting yourself just be open to new ideas and beliefs. So really, there's no pressure there. Um, I have some incredible stories, and really, what I'm, what I care about most is not the alcohol, right? I don't care that people are drinking. It's not about the beverage at the end of the day. It's truly making space in your life for what you really want most, you know. And so when people let like, go of something that no longer serves them, an outdated habit, an outdated pattern they picked up, like me. I picked up this insecurity in college and high school and I'm dragging it around into my 30s. You know what I mean? Like it was time to let go and really develop confidence within myself instead of needing this beverage to do it for me. Letting go of these outdated patterns, habits or ways of being allows more goodness to come into your life. And that's what I care about most. The transformation into making space for your bigger dreams, to articulating what you really want and going for it. So, for example, I had one client who worked at a very stressful corporate job, was very high up in that corporate job. But the break from alcohol allowed her to truly recognize her priorities for life and recognize her deeper values and then have the confidence to go after them. So she always wanted to live in France and like just have a, a incredible experience with her family traveling around. She quit her job. She moved her family to France. She put her little young one through preschool in France and her little young one learned French. How cool is that? And she wrote a memoir about the experience. Like That is something that's so just outside of that status quo and that norm, that that trajectory she was living that like just gave her so much confidence to go after what she really wanted. I've had other clients that have launched their own businesses or become coaches themselves because they really truly found that they were supposed to go through this challenge for a reason because they're now supposed to help other people. I have clients who have done things like started nonprofits because they've always been near and dear to their heart, but they just didn't have the time or the energy to like actually to give back in that kind of a way before when alcohol was still present in their lives. I've had clients who've written books about, you know, their incredible journeys. I've had clients who have moved across the world or bought in second homes because they always wanted to have this kind of lifestyle. So I, I, it's, it, it sounds almost too simple, but I've seen it happen so many times over and over and over again. When you remove the alcohol from your life, you determine what you really want, and then you get the audacity to go after it. And it's just like these qualities that going alcohol-free gives you in in such a full force, not only that energy, the time. I mean, it's not like most people are spending so much time drinking, right? Like we're not seeing someone drinking around the clock, but the mental energy that goes into it. I mean, I was always debating it, always. It was, should I, should I not? Okay, well, I was invited out, but I have that early morning tomorrow. Okay, you're supposed to work on that presentation, but one drink won't hurt, okay, but you never stop. It was like this monkey chatter on and on and on and on, recriminating myself, ruminating, deciding, you name it. It took up so much mental space. Now, I like to say this in a funny way, but imagine if like someone like Einstein was constantly overthinking about a beverage, Would we still have the laws of relativity today, right? Like we are, we have these incredible gifts inside of us. We have so much potential to offer back into this world and we are devoting so much wasted energy on a silly beverage that a huge marketing giant told us to drink when we were 18, right? And so there's so much freedom that can come that mental time and space. But I also think another thing the courage, right, it it does take a lot of courage to go alcohol free in this society, you have to tell people you ordering even just a mocktail or a non alcoholic drink at a bar takes courage, right? Saying anything about it takes courage, you know, deciding to do something different than other people takes a lot of courage. And I really find that that builds that courage muscle for the next step, because trust me, every single thing you want to do in life that's true to you is going to take courage. And so it's like you're strengthening that muscle in in this exercise, in this way to be able to have it overspill in the next way, right, In in the next iteration. The confidence you build for yourself, too. I mean, I had never done anything like that before when I first went on call free every day, every week that went by, I was like, three weeks without alcohol? 50 days? 100 days? Who is this person? I don't recognize her. And it started challenging all the other limiting beliefs I had. I always thought I could never be an entrepreneur. I never thought I could write a book. I just, I thought I was too shy, too foreign, too incapable, not smart enough, all these things. And it was like, I never thought I could go 100 days without alcohol. And I just proved to myself that I could. So what else? am I telling lies about? What else am I making assumptions about that I don't really know? And so I think it's like this identity, this massive identity change that happens as well. Like I am far more capable of way more than I ever imagined. And that really, truly does spill over into other areas of your life. And those are my favorite stories. I mean, oh, that's I love those. Just, I see it happening over and over and over again. I just got this uh, testimonial from someone who was saying that They've been 44 days without alcohol after being stuck for 10 years. In the last 44 days, they've done more for their productivity, for their dreaming, for their goal action, for their health than they have in the last 10 years. I mean, hearing something like that makes me really truly know there's something really big here. There's something really cool that happens when you when you alchemize and take away that alcohol for a moment.
0: consumer. consumer sector of women's health. Visit www.femtechconsumerinnovation.com to view the superstar speaker lineup and enter code FEMPOWER15 for 15% off your ticket. Hope to see you there. I love that. And there's actually another quote in your book. I can't remember who, it might've been Bill Gates. I don't remember who um, had stated it, but for anyone who's, um, scared to to live their dreams and feel like writing a book or becoming an entrepreneur or whatever the dream is uh, feels too big. Uh, This is so, (laughs) this really hit home. And so I I wrote it out for us to talk about today, five years from now, you can be certain of one thing, five years will have passed. And so um, there's a lot of context around it in the paragraph about, you know, it may seem like it's a lot to do, but if you do nothing ever, (laughs) then the five years will still have passed. So even if you write one page a day or meditate for 10 minutes or take a walk for five minutes, whatever it is, you're doing more than nothing and just waiting for the five years to pass. So um, I think that's such an important point.
1: Exactly. And just the idea that, you know, a lot of things do take time and that really scares us from even starting. And like, it's okay for things to take a long time, you know, like it took me four years to write this book. Four years, you know, and I wanted it to happen in one year. I wanted it to happen overnight, right? And yet, was it not worth it? Like, is it not worth spending four years working on your passion? You know what I mean? And so I think like the the quote from Bill Gates is we we overestimate what we can do in one year, but we underestimate what we can do in five to 10 years. Yes. You know what I mean? And consistency and baby steps add up. Yes, they absolutely do. Now, do you find, um, because
0: I'm just thinking about all these fads and intense beliefs and discussions on other things that aren't necessarily alcohol, but can possibly fall into that category. So um, like being addicted to certain types of diets or certain types of workouts, um, or like, you know, um, a certain way of eating or being, and a lot of them can become cultish. I mean, if you think about it, like the drinking part, we might even consider as a bit cultish, right? And Do you see people struggling with maybe transitioning from one, like alcohol, to something else? And they also have to kind of wrap their head around, okay, maybe I've eliminated this, but now I'm substituting for that. So maybe the journey kind of takes a curve. Or do you find that the alcohol part is such a driver that it actually helps release everything else and truly um, get to someone's purpose?
1: That's such a good question. And I think obviously, if we're using alcohol as a way to suppress numb emotions, then like we can find lots of ways to do yes. that. There's a lot of ways <laughs> to distract ourselves to numb emotions. And, you know, it's not like we're ever going to be perfect feeling beings all the time. I watch TV, right? Like there's there's moments where I'm just kind of zoning out yeah. as well. Um, and so, yeah, definitely we can we can find that happening in other ways. But, you know, if it, it's not what you do 100% of the time, but it's what You do in a sense of like, do I have a process in my life to access and process my emotions? Maybe not every single day, but do I journal maybe a few times a week? Do I have some kind of somatic thing that I'm doing that allows my body to move and process things out? Do I allow myself to cry? You know, things like that. Um, I also will say though, too, that like alcohol really is what they call a domino effect that like. You know, oftentimes we try to do all the other things, but then alcohol is the like one thing that like really uh, negatively affects everything. So like a lot of people do find that when they remove the alcohol first, you know, their health improves, their exercise plan improves, their writing ability improves, all those things. Um, And then one thing, too, to recognize, too, is obviously, yes, we can we can use so many different habits and patterns and behaviors to stunt us in a way the same way that alcohol or we can become addicted right to them. But one thing to recognize about alcohol is that it is a drug, you know, like these other things might be behaviors or something like food, right? Like they, they, they're a food group or it's a behavior, but alcohol is actually a drug. We are talking about one of the most addictive drugs on the planet. So it it really is a little bit more elevated about how dependent we get on it. You know what I mean? It actually changes your brain chemistry. it You lose consciousness on alcohol. There's a reason why you're not supposed to drive with alcohol. And so I think in a way too, that like, comparing alcohol to something like bread will never work completely because it's not not just a food. It literally is a drug that changes your brain and, you know, removing it will also change the neurochemistry of your brain in a far different way than a lot of other things. What about the,
0: and I I do not want this to sound as though certain, everyone's lives um, are busy, right? And they're all busy in different ways, but some genuinely have more on their plate, like Some have a team of people helping them with every single thing. Others have to do it all on their own and don't have support. Um, So there are genuine things that can impact our lives. Like I know moms who are so feeling overwhelmed, they don't even go get their breast exam. Um, I have moms that I know in their 40s who've never gone. I mean, it's, it's crazy how we just get overwhelmed and whatnot. And so I'm curious if you've run into people like that who are just feeling overwhelmed and they're like, thanks for this. I know it's good for me, but I don't have time. For those who list, are listening and saying, this is great theoretically. I can't have, writing in my journal, what do you mean? Like, I, don't, I can't even do a page. What would you say to them? And, and how do people like that get on this path?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, it's really interesting, but a lot of studies show that uh, the time it takes for someone who wants to go alcohol-free to actually go alcohol-free Or has some kind of just like, I don't think that this alcohol is serving me takes around seven years. And some of that can be very conscious seven years. Some of that can be a very unconscious seven years. But that desire is kind of in that, in that, that gut place, right? And so the timing isn't right for everybody. You know what I mean? Like we're on a journey of consciousness and awareness building. I remember that I used to try to just drink less for a long time. I remember I tried to take off a weekend here and there for a little bit. You know, like I was just kind of warming up to this concept and this ability to just feel things truly and be okay in my skin without alcohol. Um, But at the same time too, you know, like, Polly Whitaker talks about this a lot as well of like, there is nothing more predatory than the alcohol industry going over to the most overstressed part of our population and the most vulnerable part of our population. You know, overworked moms, and overstressed moms have such a lack of support, a society that does not value their work, lack of community, lack of so many things. And then to then throw on, alcohol something that biologically releases more stress hormones in their life compounds their stress does not relieve stress makes you wake up the next day even more stressed out from the initial thing that was stressing you out it's like comp- not having them a tool at all whatsoever it's it's really 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 a dangerous thing that's even causing people to go even more backwards it like pains me to think that that's kind of how it's set up today you know that like really the most vulnerable are offered alcohol as a support system instead of a true support system. You know, an make industry makes a lot of money off of that. And they make it cute, right? They make it cute with mommy wine juice and little sayings about the most expensive part of having kids is all the wine you have to drink. It's not cute. You know what I mean? Like women are dying. Women, even our breast cancer risk goes up by 15%, but just two drinks a week. Like this is not funny stuff, right? And so I think just having a mindset shift too about really seeing that like alcohol is not ever helping me. And alcohol is not, it's it's literally compounding my stress. It's taking something that would have been a molehill and something that I would have developed emotional resilience around had I been able to just feel it. And it's making it a mountain, right? It's making me unable to handle the stressors in my life and to really cope and to really be present. It's making everything so much harder. And I'm not saying that because of my belief system. I'm saying that because thousands of women have told me that, right? Um, And so, you know, with the lack of time as well, it's like, well, what is is really – a break from alcohol look like it, it's actually giving you more time by 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 replacing an activity that was very mindless and not something that was getting done and, and giving that same time back to you to focus on yourself instead you know what i mean so it's the mental energy that comes back the sleep that comes back you know like how many times did i just go to bed too late i, I stayed up till like 11 30 or so watching a netflix show with my wine how much would I've been so much more gifted if I just went to bed earlier and, and passed on that? You know what I mean? So I think what's really needed is a little bit of a mindset shift that like you get more time back, you get more energy back, and you get more resilience back. The ability to handle your emotions and situations with a with the energy to be able to take what life is giving you instead of always feeling so overwhelmed. Alcohol produces that feeling. I mean, when we drink alcohol, we actually release this neurochemical called dynorphin in our brain. And dynorphin makes us feel very stressed, low, and sad. In fact, people who commit suicide have been found to have high levels of dynorphin in their brain. So there's there's just no way to me that alcohol is truly a solution. And if you think about it, I have this client who, who has this exercise that she does with her, um, her, her clients. She's a business client that I work with. And she asks like, let's pretend to make a perfect drug. What would this perfect drug do for you? You know what I mean? It would maybe relieve some stress. It would make you feel happy. It would make you feel fun. But I'm sure it would have none of the negative side effects that alcohol actually has, right? So no shape or form is alcohol this perfect drug. It kind of sucks. You know what I mean? The negative consequences, I think, far outweigh any supposed benefits that we get.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, what about this subconscious fear of getting what you deserve in life? we can never get to this place. Like you even said, Oh, well, I watch Netflix sometimes. Like there's so many things that we can do, you know, the, the alcohol exercising more, getting to bed on time, putting that darn phone away. I think even with the decision to ditch alcohol, I could still imagine fear playing a big role in meeting your potential. Um, So what would you say to that? Like, what have you seen, um, in your really hard cases, help people mm-hmm. get over that hump to know that that quote I shared when we transitioned to this topic is truly possible for anyone. Yeah,
1: and I remember that fear holding me back for so long. You know, as a as a child, I, I felt rather precocious, and I loved reading, and I I loved books, and I always wanted to be an author, and I had these huge dreams for myself. You know, dreams that like I never really thought were possible. And when I especially as I became an adult, like the reality hit me so hard, like you're not smart, you're not capable, you're not going to be the next Nobel Peace Prize winner, who do you think you are, you know? And I think I used alcohol subconsciously. Obviously, consciously, I thought I was just drinking because it's what you do and let's all socialize and that's just how it is. But subconsciously, I was using alcohol in a way that kept me safe and feeling small and staying small. It was like a little cave I could hide in. For example, it was so much easier to open a bottle of wine than write the next great American novel. And so instead of actually challenging some of these bigger fears I had about my life, I just hid. I just didn't, didn't look at them, you know? And so I think deep down what you're saying and what people are can recognize is that we all have a huge fear of our potential, a fear of uh, failing, a feel of trying and it not working out and a fear of our success because our success might bring alienation. Our success might make us lose belonging from our peers. And someone's like, no, that's not that's not a thing. I would love to be successful I mean, imagine what it felt like when you were a child with a sibling and you maybe outperformed your sibling and then you got negative repercussions from that. The sibling didn't want to hang out with you anymore. Like we have learned these lessons through our lives that don't play too big, don't draw outside the lines, don't do too well. You're going to be shunned. You know what I mean? I remember knowing the answer a lot in the history classes when I was growing up and I wouldn't raise my hand all the time, even though I always knew the answer because I didn't <laughs> want to be that person. And so this fear is real. Like we are so scared of our potential. We're so scared of really trying. And so I think really alcohol does function symbolically as this way to just like play smaller, to not even go out. And I think can say personally for my life that, you know, it was so much more painful hanging back in that comfort zone than actually going out there and trying and going after the life I want. Because here's the thing, you might not succeed the first time, right? But it's not through your success that you learn from. It's from your failure that you learn from. You're supposed to fail. You're supposed to make mistakes. You're supposed to confront your fear of what other people think. You're supposed to confront all these other fears that might be holding you back. And you might not overcome them completely, but you still take the action anyway. And you learn to grow more resilient and stronger through that. And I can truly say, I really believe this, that your dreams are inevitable if you take action on your dreams. Truly right? It doesn't matter how long they take. And, and that's the thing. So many people give up too early because they thought it was taking too long. And so, you know, if, if that was ringing true for you, or if this fear of your greatness or fear of failure is something that um, you can, can kind of feel coming up for you, I highly recommend the book, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. It's a really, really good book on just recognizing why we don't personally believe we can have it all, you know, why we feel like we have to have, a, we're holding back. And obviously we've seen a lot of and modeled of a lot of examples in our lives, like, oh, you can only have love or money. Or if you want to be successful, you have to work super hard and never see your family. We have all these really poor examples and models in our lives that it's time to challenge as adults and see that, you know, there is a solution through to whatever you want. If one person's done it, then it's possible for you too, you know? So like I said, it's just such a cool personal development exercise when you, when you reevaluate the role of alcohol, because so much will come to the surface things that need to be healed, things that need to be processed, things that should be worked through to make you such a happier, more accomplished person. I hope people, when they hear
0: what you just said, feel so motivated. And I know when I am being my truest self, even if it's outside those around me and what's accepted as norm, it actually feels very peaceful. And it's like, it doesn't really matter what people think. And I think really making this decision from a place of power and becoming who you are like truly at the core not again because it's someone else's expectations but a a true desire from within i think it makes it easier but just just in case i have to say this one because it made me laugh so hard um, where you had the chapter on, uh, I think it was week four where it's how to socialize in this new way when you're not drinking. And you had like a lot of comments that people can use. And my favorite one was if people ask you, well, why aren't you drinking? You should turn it back to them and say, well, why are you drinking? I was like, that's hilarious. So I I just, (laughs) I just made me laugh so hard. Anyhow, well, this has been so amazing. And I, I, I hope people look at this and, and become curious. I know I'm sober curious now, and I appreciate that this is coming from a place of you are not bad if you drink. Everyone needs to stop drinking. Everyone get it together. The world needs to be a better place. It's not from this high and mighty, unrealistic place. It's a true, like, here is an op- important observation, and you're inviting us to look within with the great possibility of living our best selves. So I, I really appreciate the the tone um, in which you presented this invitation
1: oh thank you it's almost like you just discovered this gift and you're like i want to share the gift with as many people as possible you know
0: exactly (laughs) i really i truly appreciate that because sometimes people can get when they're passionate about something it can be very uh
1: like ah scary
0: (laughs) any any last like words that you wanted to share before we close
1: You know you asked such good questions that went really deep so i just have to offer to your audience that if this conversation intrigued you if if it got you curious and just thinking or if you've been taking breaks and experimenting with alcohol you know just knowing that your intuition is never leading you astray that little voice is spot on and she will never cause you harm She knows and sometimes what she says sounds outlandish and we don't have the courage yet to listen to that voice, but that voice will continue buzzing in our ears in that quiet mornings and that space that you take for yourself. And just don't be scared to listen to that voice. It's not some lifelong commitment. It's not this huge thing. Just take it baby step by baby step, one step at a time. If your next step today is to buy a book, that's incredible. If your next step today is to try a new alcohol-free beverage, that's incredible. If your next step today is to put up the website you've been wanting to put up for so long and claim that space, then that's incredible, you know? Just take your intuition as it's handing you. She won't lead you astray. And there's so many supportive people, so many supportive podcasts like this one that will continue helping you.
0: Thank you so much for your commitment to helping all of us get happier and more confident by going alcohol-free.
1: Oh, thank you. such a great conversation.
0: Always talk to your doctor before making health-related decisions. Additionally, the views expressed by the FemPower Health podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. See you next week. Thank you for joining us on another enlightening episode of FemPower Health. No matter where you are in your journey, our website is brimming with content tailored to your specific topic of interest or life stage. Dive in and discover the resources and insights waiting for you. Your voice matters to us. And if you found value in this episode, please take a moment to write a review. Your feedback not only helps us improve, but it also helps others discover our podcast by spreading the word, your empowerment empowering women everywhere with the information they need to navigate their unique health journeys. And if this episode resonated with you, please don't keep it a secret. Share it with friends, loved ones, or anyone you believe would benefit from the information. Together, we can create a world where every woman feels supported, informed, and empowered. Remember, Knowledge is Power and Fempower Health is here to guide you and support you in every step of the way. And as a reminder, the information shared by FemPower Health is not medical advice, but for informational purposes to enable you to have more effective conversations with your doctor. Always talk to your doctor before making health related decisions. Additionally, the views expressed by the FemPower Health podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Until next time.